to Gin and Gentlemen with me, Eleanor Harkstead, bringing the gin. And attended by a carousel loaded with gentlemen, Catherine Curzon. And where are we going today, Catherine? We're going to the seaside today. Hooray! And before we set off for the seaside, metaphorically speaking, um, shall we apologise in case there's a bit of a hiss yeah. on today's podcast? Because we are having a minor technical difficulty for this podcast only. Yes, so don't don't get upset. <laughs> no, but rather than deny you the chance to listen to our ramblings, we thought we'd just hiss at you instead. If you've subscribed to our newsletter, you'll know that um, you will get for free, as a gift, um, our short story called Brighton Bow. Um, and that's really why we're going to the seaside, isn't it? Because what's better to do in March when it's chucking it down with rain than go to the British seaside? Precisely. And if you haven't subscribed to our newsletter yet, um, why? You can go and do it now at www.curzonharkstead.co.uk slash newsletter. Yes. Cunningly labelled URL. And you can find out about all our latest things, uh, as in, you know, releases and podcasts and stuff. Yep. We, and also we have a section called Be Our Guest where you can find out some other writers as well yeah. popping up on the newsletter. So it's, it's worth your while. And you get, as we say, a free story. And not a little tiny story, but a 4,000 word story. Yes, with two lovely chaps. Two lovely chaps, and it's family friendly. So there's nothing there that you need to worry about anyone seeing you reading. <laughs> so, um, for those of you listening in, in America, um, in Britain the seaside is kind of an institution. Um, there's all sorts of resorts that sprung up on the coast and because we're an island um, nowhere's really that far away from the sea um, apart from like, the history of seasides and people taking the waters to be healthy and stuff it ended up just being somewhere British people go to sit and eat fish and chips which is obviously not that healthy but it's very delicious um, we have piers where you can go and walk about and go on the dodgems um, all sorts of things um, I actually lived at the seaside uh, when I was a teenager for a while, um, which is a, a quite a different experience from visiting the seaside. <laughs> but where's your favourite seaside place, Catherine? Scarborough. Scarborough? Or Filey. I love Scarborough. And I love Filey because, obviously, being a Yorkshire dweller, um, I love a bit of rugged coastline. Mm -hmm. um, and I like Scarborough because it's, it's a nice walk. Yeah. You can walk all the way along the Scarborough front and not just the sort of the sort of main drag if you like with the arcades and whatnot but proper up you know into the cliffs Ooh. um but filey ha is a lot less commercial than scarborough but it's quintessentially rugged mm. um you have to have sort of like good knees for hills for filey <laughs> um but it's absolutely gorgeous and pippa little pippa absolutely loves filey too she's one of Aww. her favorite places and we also have, of course, Whitby with all this wonderful Dracula. Yeah, I really want to go to Whitby. You've never been to Whitby? No. <gasps> Why have you not been to Whitby? Because it's quite far from where I live. Yeah, well, well, you know. <laughs> but here, we should say, we are both in Yorkshire today. Yes. We are in Yorkshire and it's a Saturday night. And we've eaten fish and chips. We have. Not the seaside. And it's been raining so hard, it's been bouncing off the ground. Yes. It's been raining so hard we didn't go to the pub. We didn't go to the pub. We stayed in and we watched Kitchen Nightmares <laughs> <laughs> and RuPaul's Drag Race. 
Um, but we've also been very productive, oh, which we'll be telling you about later. We will. Um, I'm, I'm lying here. I'm kind of trapped on the sofa with a cat lying across my legs. So. <laughs> <laughs> and we be very, very careful what we say because we don't want to awake either of the sleeping animals. Yeah. Because if we do, they could send our recording equipment flying into oblivion. Yes, this is high, high tech. Yeah. Oh, Ooh. if you heard that, that was Pippa sneezing. So bless you, Pippa. <laughs> so when I, I'm from the south east... So my, my seaside resorts are like places like Clacton. Someone has to be <laughs> Walton. Clacton's um legendary. My mum lived in Clacton um when the Mods and Rockers had a, their fights in the sixties. Yeah. She remember she remembers that fondly. Um and when I was little we had a beach hut in Clacton. So and beach huts are kind of they must have them in other other places outside Britain, but there's something very British oh, about they do. it. They do. You have your beach hut. And you go down there and you make the most of it and go every day, even when it rains, because you've got a hut so you can just go inside and open the window and have a cup of tea and watch everyone walk past in the rain. Um, That's so British. It is so British. Going and sitting in a hut in the rain and feeling (laughs) superior because you're in a hut. The thing my dad did as well, he had this thing about having the beach hut and like he wanted to have a bacon sandwich for breakfast in his beach hut. So we all had to go to go to Clacton. Alagasto. Drive down to Clacton and then my dad would like fry fry the and then he just stood there with the with the window of the beach hut open, just enjoying his sandwich and looking out at the North Sea. The king of all he spoke, enjoying his sandwich. Some very cold sea. <laughs> that is very British that it isn't is it? very British. And then you have like your ice creams and your wasps. Yeah. <laughs> and seagulls doing horrific things to you from above. Yes, and a shared water t- water pipe that you have to. Everyone oh, has to yeah. share a tap. A seagull in Brighton stole half my sandwich. I had oh. a crayfish and avocado How sandwich. Rude. So yeah, very Brighton. Was it one of those seagulls that was basically the size of a vulture? It was the size of a small car. Oh my god! But all it got away with was like a tiny bit of bread. So I was like, ha! No crayfish for you, seagull. Yeah, there are some seagulls do plague British resorts, and there was quite a famous seagull that kept going into a shop and taking bags of crisps. Yes, <laughs> it was. It was awesome. There's a place called Walton, which if you're a fan of Blur and you've heard the song Tracy Jacks and he gets on the first train to Walton, that's very near Clacton. And um, I went to Walton and I got trapped in the mirror maze and I was so terrified and I couldn't get out and then they had this kind of like emergency escape route where they just slide back some of the um, mirrors and the glass like a patio door Mm. and then I was rescued (laughs) but the British institution of going to the seaside isn't Mm. a new thing no no um and I as a historian of Georgian royalty know very well about George III going to Weymouth Mm. to take the waters to hopefully cure his madness and George III's children having to go to Weymouth for virtually everything that was wrong with them. Oh, God. They were sent to Weymouth, you know, dropsy, um, mm. apparently illegitimate children being born, all off they off to Weymouth. Um, so it the Weymouth and other places in that area have rich royal connections. Mm. Um, obviously, um, later we have Bognor Regis. Oh, yes. Famously Bognor Regis. But also in the Georgian era, we had the future George IV, holding court in Brighton again yes. um, with Maria Fitzherbert, his illegitimate wife. And Brighton still has a lot of memories of George IV. There's a lot of places named after him and mm. lots of places where they have secret doors and tunnels and things that they claim were where he snuck in and out to visit his lovers <laughs> and to visit brothels. Um, and 
the British seaside became really an institution, didn't it, in the Victorian era for yeah. workers' holidays? Yeah, when I lived on the Isle of Wight in mm. a place amusingly called Ride. <laughs> <laughs> very apt for us, yeah. And um, Queen Victoria had a very big house there. It was, it was made my beach hut mm. look quite rubbish mm. because it was Osborne House. Yeah. And I went on a school trip there. Um, and most of it's now an old people's home. Mm. But you can still go in and you can actually see Queen Victoria's shower. Ooh. Was it big? It's huge. Yeah, it would be. And it's like it's like a cupboard, and they still have like the ladder mm. that the the maid had to climb up with a bucket of water, and then the t- and then she would like pour it into like a cistern that yeah. had holes in it, that, and the naked Queen Victoria was standing Stand underneath. underneath. Well, maybe possibly in a white shift or something. Yeah. But yeah, so Queen Victoria made. Um, seaside's very very popular yeah. and of course once you start getting train travel in from like the 1840s you get more and more stations opening and trains get faster because people realized they wouldn't suffocate if they traveled at over 30 miles an hour um it was easier to go to the seaside and that was it people would go in fact there was i think thomas cook which for for british people you know as a travel agents and people would book their flights to spain with tra- thomas cook i think it started off as a thing where mm. thomas cook would hire an entire train and take everyone on holiday. well as well obviously at the moment we're in yorkshire so we're in mill country mm. and i'm sure you know that the mills would close down mm. for the holiday and some of them would arrange a holiday mm. for the workers and families and they would go en masse to the seaside and mm. I come from Nottinghamshire, but I'm from a mining family. And it was the same with the pit. There would be the pit holiday, if you like. Mm. And people would go to the seaside. And this is, you know, into the 20th century. This is not 200 years ago. Would go to the seaside and dress up. You know, my granddad would talk about going on the trip to the seaside with the pit and going in his best suit. Yeah. And we've got some awesome photos of my granddad on the beach with in a sort of like shirt and tie with you know laying in the sand with his pipe on <laughs> but just looking like you know because you work in a pit yeah so the chance to get dressed up and mm. go and enjoy the sunshine and feel the sand between your toes if you like from the midlands my family to be able to do that at the coast that you don't really want to go in your scruffs it's an event yeah. Yeah. and it needs to you want to mark it yeah and they'd all pile onto a coach and famously stop at every pub on the route. <laughs> so arrive there a little bit worse for wear. And my granddad used to tell us about the famously seaside landladies. Oh. And he stayed in um, a place, I think it was in Blackpool, but it later became Scarborough because he was a bit of a tale teller. So sometimes he lost track. Where every single stair on the staircase had a different rule written on it. Oh my goodness. And it was from the classic, like, no sand in the bedrooms. It was, <laughs> and you know door locked at nine oh, all don't the take way up town on the beach yeah all the don't take town on the beach no um bucket and spade in the bedroom no flushing the toilet between 11 p.m and 6 a.m oh my goodness and the seaside landladies of course being famously not always but in his stories either famously lovely and a bit flirty or like terrifying gorgons my great grandma ran a guest did house. she which in... was she was she a terrifying gorgon i don't flirty? know she was it was in south end mm. um and so we've got lots of family photos in like the 30s and even during the war and it says sort of vacancies or no vacancies but they'd always have to be photographed outside the front door yeah um, and what's quite funny is that my great aunt met her husband although they never married because he was already married to someone else um he was a guest in their guest house during the war and then actually ended up together. Oh. Which is quite sweet, isn't that it? It is. Uncle Fred. Uncle Fred. <laughs> Uncle Fred. 
and I, I love to go to the seaside. I, mm. you know, living where I do, we're, we're about two hours from the sea. We can probably get to some resorts quicker than others, but the ones we want to go to are about two hours from. <laughs> and it's lovely. Mm. It's, I just, I love it. And I'm that weird person who loves it out of season. Yeah. So I actually love to go in the autumn or the end of winter when everything's shut down mm. and you get those sort of like fantastically gothic seascapes. Oh yeah, when when I lived um, in the amusingly named ride, which is in fact where the Beatles song Ticket to Ride mm-hmm. comes from because Paul McCartney's aunt ran a guest house oh, in Ride. Yes. So Ticket to Ride is like mm. the, the pun on ride, R-Y-D-E. Sorry, I sound like Alan Partridge. Oh, oh, I it's a pun. It's a pun. And in the summer, it was like it was full of tourists. And so if you had to, I had to run to go to my waitressing job because that was kind of the only jobs there were. And um, there'd be sort of like tourists ambling along the road, and you'd have to like run into the run through the cars to overtake them on the pavement and not miss the bus. Um, and then in the and then when it came to winter, you'd get these massive storms mm. and stuff. Even in the Solent, that's quite sheltered, mm. so that like if the, it, you know it was bad, like the hovercraft stopped first, mm. and then if it was bad, even worse, the catamaran stopped, and it would be very very bad before they took the ferry off, mm. and once they did that, you were stuck. That's it. You're going and, nowhere. And the Isle of Wight is a you know it's a tourist place. Yeah. You've got Queen Victoria's old house. Also, famously, it has a high security prison, mm. <laughs> so Britain's version of Alcatraz, yeah. more or less. Alcatraz with a queen. With a queen. Yeah. And there are some traditions, aren't there, of British seaside? That yes. I don't know. I don't actually know if people who aren't English will know things like the "Kiss Me Quick" hat, mm. which was famously, you know, it was. I th- when I think of the sixties in a Carry On film, yeah, it would be like a hat, usually like a kind of little black, yeah, little black fedora type trilby, mm. with a little sign that said "Kiss Me Quick, Squeeze Me Slowly." Oh gosh, yes. and it was. It was an institution in the, that era. I think they still, still buy them. them. Yeah. And, of course, rock, a stick of rock. Yes, a stick of rock. As so immortalised by George Formby, my little stick of Blackpool rock. Oh, which is possibly another pun. It might be another pun. <laughs> also an innuendo. Rather than Donkey rides. Donkey oh, yes. rides along the beach. I have a very funny photo of my grandma at Margate in the 20s, looking the, like the grumpiest child you've ever seen on a donkey. <laughs> Just like, do I have to do this? Oh, I still love donkeys, but... Like, obviously, ride horses, so ah, yes. riding a donkey is fantastic. I loved it. And as you say, the pier. Yes. And candy floss and yes. freshly fried donuts. Oh, yes. And ice cream. Oh, yes. And eating so much, you felt sick. And, and also, occasionally swimming. And to mm. swim off Britain is quite a brave thing to do because it's very cold. It's very cold. Very bracing, as Skegness would say. Skegness is bracing. And, you know, the places that are just stone... Oh, like Brighton is just stone. Oh, it's, it's rough on your feet. Oh, it is. I used to swim off Clacton. Mm. I'm quite a hardy you child. You wear a sandal, though. Oh, yeah, because like, like jelly, like shoe, jelly yeah. shoes. Yeah. Yeah. So you'd be all right. I like sea swimming. We um, went to Whitstable, my, my now husband and I, for our first holiday together when we weren't, we weren't married. Were you courting? We were courting. <laughs> and we went to Whitstable, and it was lovely, and we went swimming in the sea, and I got sunburned. Oh, no. But I know I, I get sunburn really easily. I only have to be in the sun for like 30 seconds and I get mm. sunburned. Even with sun oil, you know, sun lotion on. But it was lovely. And we spent all our time just kind of swimming in the sea and pottering about because we went there to see a Peter Cushing exhibition. Oh. Because Peter Cushing loved Whitstable and he lived there. Oh, he did, yeah. Most of his life. Um, and we just spent a lot of time doing nothing, just pottering, which is what you want, isn't it, really? It is. And 
so many of them because their heyday was the Victorian era into the early 20th century. So you've all, you're guaranteed some pretty good Victorian architecture and also Art Deco and, mm. and that sort of architecture. So it's quite... And often it's well-preserved as well. But also, you know, we've talked about Brighton and Scarborough too, and there's quite a lot of nice Georgian architecture. Mm. So if you go to Scarborough, if you look up the cliffs... I'm gesturing like you can see me, but you can't. <laughs> if you look up on the cliffs, there's some beautiful um, houses that are... Mm. A lot of them now are guest houses, and we stayed in one and it was lovely. Mm. But they're Georgian buildings, yeah. and they're gorgeous. Mm. And about five years ago, one came up for sale, and I really wanted to buy it. <laughs> And it was a and b but it was it it had been I can't say how beautiful it was. It was so you know still retained so many features, and it was so expensive. But quite wisely, Rick said, "I don't think we want to run a B and B, do we?" Yeah, no. And I said, "No, no, we do." And he was like, "No, I don't think we do." But what I actually wanted was a six bedroom Georgian house. <laughs> <laughs> so we let someone else have that. Yeah. So my dad had he knew he knew some people who ran a B and B in in Blackpool. Very hard work. And Blackpool is. Um, quite a famous place as well it's the nearest place to manchester isn't it it's the nearest place to here where we are now really oh and it's it's still got it's really old 1930s trams Mm -hmm. and that you go one way down the seafront and then when it changes the 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 backs of the chairs flip the other way so you can sit the other way around on the chair so you're always facing forwards and coronation street fans yes will know that it's where the evil alan bradley (laughs) met his demise whilst chasing rita was hit by a tram. Oh, and you know, I nearly got hit by a tram. Yeah, in but you didn't. If, if you're not used to them, you Alan can. Bradley got hit by a tram. You didn't. I nearly got run over by a dotto train. But nearly. <laughs> it's not nearly that's immortalised Alan Bradley. Yeah, nearly isn't nearly isn't, nearly isn't, isn't anything, is it? Nearly isn't and Blackpool is famous for its tower. Oh yes. And the Blackpool Tower ballroom. Have and you been up the tower? I have been up the tower. Yeah. Yes. I grew up in the Midlands, of course, I've been up the top. <laughs> I went um, to Blackpool Tower when I was little, and um, you, you have to, you actually queue through the ballroom. You do? And, um, and And we were in the queue, and the, and the world, it's, it's this massive world, yeah. it's our organ, and it started rising through the floor with the guy playing it as we, were, as we were walking through. It was brilliant. I don't know what member of my family he was, but one of my granddad's family was the um, organist Ooh. on the world, it's here at Blackpool, I believe. And if that's not true, then that's just another granddadism. But I think it's true. But bear in mind that I thought he was Bing Crosby till I was about seven because he told me that he was because he looked exactly like Bing Crosby. Um, but yes, and Blackpool Tower Ballroom famous for come dancing and not just not strictly come dancing, but come dancing through the years when it was a bank clerk. Yes. And she stitched all the sequins on by hand and all that yeah. jazz. It wasn't like a, a, a professional dancer and a celebrity. No, from the world famous Blackpool Tower Ballroom, come dancing <laughs> with Angela Rippon. When I was in Blackpool, I went to a gig in Blackpool. We went to the um, Waxworks. Oh, yeah. The famed, infamous, I should say, oh, Blackpool they're amazing. Waxworks. They're so funny. And because it, it was off-season, we just, we just went around taking lots of pictures of ourselves posing with the statues. <laughs> but I think we're very lucky because we have beautiful coastline. Yeah. And whether you like a resort and... You know, that kind of old school prom with the pier and mm. the amusement arcade. Or whether, like, I like just a nice coastline with not many people on it. Usually out of season because I'm a bit weird. And we're really lucky because we've got some really beautiful spots. And you mm. can, sometimes if you go to a resort, it's a short walk or drive along the coast. And oh, yeah. you're out of the resort and there you find the most beautiful places. Mm. 
Mm. And because they are a little bit off the beaten track, you don't necessarily get crowds. Mm. If you go to Somerset and you go to Minehead, and there's like yeah. a massive Butlins in Minehead, but Minehead yeah. itself is actually Butlins quite nice. Minehead. And there's like a little fishing harbour mm. thing if you go one, one way along. Mm. There's a steam train that you can get, and it mm. takes you along the coast. And you go along this bit where you can see Dunster Castle. Yeah. And because it's going around the edge of the coastline, it's like Dunster T- Castle almost like turns around. Mm. You can see see it. Oh, it's beautiful. When we had our honeymoon in Wales, and we thought it would be a great idea to set off for our honeymoon after the wedding reception, and it was 7 o'clock at night, and we, I was driving, and we arrived in Wales at 2 a.m. Oh, this was after I nearly... Oh, I, I'll tell a story now. I nearly lost my head, literally. Because we were taking turns to drive. And we had a hatchback. And we put everything in the boot, including the wedding cake. Uh-oh. And in the cake box was the cake knife. And oh, it was no. a brand new oh, no. ornamental wedding cake knife. And we drove all the way to Wales. And yeah, oh, it, it was before sat-nav as well. So it was all done with map book and Rick navigating. An actual map. My an goodness. actual map. And... As we got to within, I'd say, five miles where we were staying, a badger ran into the road. <laughs> so I slammed on the brake and the cake knife shot out through the box. Oh, no. Between the seats. Oh, no. And grazed my neck. Oh, my goodness. Serrated edge went right across my neck. And I had a cut of about three inches on my neck. And oh it was fine because it was so deep. It was fine. <laughs> yeah, it was fine because it wasn't a deep cut, but it was a scratch, but it bled. But we said afterwards, can you imagine if that had been fatal? Nobody would have believed Rick's version of events. They said, oh, they must have had a row in the car. And <laughs> But that's not the story. The story is we got to our cottage and it was kind of like with Nail and I, you know. Oh, no. The, the cottage was nice, but it was in the middle of nowhere. You couldn't see anything. There was no outdoor light. So we just went in and not in a wedding night way, but just went in and just like collapsed in bed. She went straight to bed. But we woke up in the morning and opened the curtains and there in front of us was an inlet of cliffs where you could see the whole bay and the ocean just stretching out. Oh, wow. And it was absolutely beautiful. And we were like, that that wasn't there last night, was it? <laughs> because last night there was nothing but a void. And we said when we got there, oh, my God, what's it going to be like when we in the morning? Oh, God, it's going to be awful, isn't it? You know, because we had that British thing of we can't see it, therefore it must be awful. Yeah. But it was the most amazing view. Oh, it was nice. fantastic, but it, I'm not sure it was worth nearly being decapitated over to get there a day early. That is quite terrifying. It was terrifying. <laughs> um, but yes, so that was nice. I'd love to live on the coast, but Mr Curzon, being sensible, always says, oh, think about all the damage the salt will do to your car or into your house, and you better to live a little bit inland. Oh, but when, when I lived, um, when I lived on, in, in the amusingly named ride, um, I don't think there was any rust problems i know i know like people who live if you live on mersey island in essex mm. and you have to drive over a causeway mm. um, i wonder though if you were older and therefore responsible for the cost of repairing things you might be more aware of them but that's true because you know when you're a kid you don't think about anything do you or when you're a teenager really. like it's free to live in a house the thing is because food is free and plentiful <laughs> my, my dad worked in portsmouth and he used to get the boat to work and because my dad is boat obsessed and tried to join the navy when he was younger and for some reason didn't and wanted to be a lighthouse keeper just as they automated all the lighthouses um genius he absolutely loved um commuting to work on a boat and when it was rough he loved it did he everyone else would be absolutely terrified and he'd just be there going oh it was really choppy it was great living on the coast is like my you know people want to live i don't know like glamorous mansion and whatever i just want to live on the coast yeah but i probably won't because my friends live here (laughs) 
it's nice. Yeah. But then I went and lived in Birmingham, which but is I'm as far as you can get from about the what bit of coast I want to live on as well. Which I want is to it? live on the North Yorkshire coast. North Yorkshire coast. But then, it's like anything, isn't it? If you live there, it's not as good as when you just visit. No. But our friends have just gone to live on the Welsh coast to live the dream, so we shall see. At the moment, they're loving it, but they've only been there a couple of months. Yeah, but when I lived on the Isle of Wight, there were a heck of a lot of people who's like they'd moved there from just like all sorts of random places, and then and just sort of rocked up in on the Isle of Wight, and often because they'd been on holiday there and really liked it, mm. and then decided to move there, which is a bit different. Yeah, um, I don't know. It's it's changed now though because there's lots of people who actually live there and commute to London, mm. which has never happened when I lived there, and that's a very long journey. <laughs> But, um, yeah, I wouldn't want to do that. But it's a, it's a nice place. Shall we talk a little bit about Brighton Bowes? Yeah. And how we came by the idea. So we... Oh, well, a little bit about Brighton first. If you, Brighton is a resort on the south coast. It's mm-hmm. very, very fashionable. Mm. Um, Very, very fashionable. Yeah. And it's very, very expensive. Yeah. And it's gorgeous. And it's very, very Regency-ish. Yes. And as I said, oh, it's, you can go see Brighton Pavilion there. And it's actually the place I made my public speaking debut mm-hmm. as an author. And I made it at Brighton Pavilion. And it was a huge audience. So, you know, first you debut, that's what you want, isn't it? 200 people. Yeah, terrifying. <laughs> 200 people who know all about the Regency. And I made it as part of the Evening with Jane Austen event with Adrian Lucas, a.k.a. Mr. Wickham. And... I was terrified, but I had some very good coaching from Adrian about, you know, dealing with stage fright and slow down and blah, blah, blah. But as soon as I got on the stage, I thought, ooh, I like this. (laughs) (laughs) And then there was no stopping me. But I went to Brighton and I, the first time, the first time I went was when I went to discuss the event with the lady who was booking it. And the second time I went to Brighton was to give the event. Mm. And obviously at Brighton, as I say, there's Brighton Pavilion, which was... um, the Prince Regent's home by the sea. And it actually started that he went to stay in a farmhouse. And he loved Brighton so much that he bought the farmhouse. Mm. And he had it basically bit by bit taken down and replaced by the Marine Pavilion. Ah. And then a few years later, he decided, being very fashionable, he decided that it wasn't fashionable enough anymore. So he had it, if you like, pulled down and completely renovated again. Um, into the Brighton Pavilion we know today, which, as I'm sure Eleanor knows, is this mishmash of different styles. Mm. You know, there are onion domes and there are Chinese prints and there's faux bamboo. And there's Queen Victoria's room, which is an extremely plain yellow room Mm. versus the immense wonder of everything else in there. Um, And when the Prince Regent well, before he was Prince Regent, when he hung out at Brighton, it was with his illegal wife, Maria Fitzherbert. And at Brighton, they were kind of the centre of the alternative court. Mm. So everybody knew, if not that they were married, they knew that they were a couple, and it was accepted that they were a couple. Um, But obviously, being a Catholic, the marriage wasn't legal because it hadn't been approved by the Mm -hmm. king. But they had this alternative court, and it was the most fashionable place in the land. There's and a statue of her in the Catholic Church. Yeah. It's right near there, isn't there? Yeah. And is she wearing two wedding rings or something mm. on, in the statue? Because one one ring is to represent her marriage to mm. him and one ring is to represent her marriage to another child. She had God bad luck or? with marriages. Um, she was married young and her husband died within three months of the wedding, but he hadn't signed his will. Oh, no. So everything... He was quite a rich man. Everything was inherited by his brother. What? But then she got married again. And her husband died again really quickly. 
But this time the will was signed. So, so she was left... George the Fourth, either brave or stupid. Brave or stupid. <laughs> she was left with a lot of money and a huge amount of social status mm. and this beautiful house um, in Mayfair, which is where she married, as he was then, the Prince of Wales. Mm. Um, but Brighton has retained this fashionable mm. status, I think. Mm. Um, and we initially started writing... Well, when we started writing together... We started writing a kind of sandbox yes. adventure for two chaps. Yes. Um, because we thought, we'll just see how we write together yes. and if it works. And part of that sandbox adventure was we took them to Brighton for a holiday. So after we began to write the Captain series and our other work, that sandbox adventure, although it paused, we occasionally go back to it and we go back and pluck ideas out of it. And yeah. it can sometimes just be a line that makes you say, oh, yeah. that could be something. Yeah. So we said, wouldn't it be great if people subscribe to our newsletter and we give them something to say thanks mm. and something that is an actual value? Yeah. Um, and, you know, they obviously subscribe because they must hopefully like what we write. Hopefully. So therefore, here is a nice story for you. And we decided, inspired by this little moment in the sandbox where they go to Brighton, let's write a story about Brighton. Yeah. So yeah, we did. So, so they, they go... On a little poodle on the prom, mm. and it's they it's, they go shopping. They do, and it's it's a soldier just just basically being demobbed. He's yeah. coming back into Civvy Street to live with his partner, who's been with for a while. But obviously, their relationship has been a little bit odd because sometimes he's overseas, mm. and yeah, now they're gonna poodle and they're just gonna be domestic. And um, they've got a great big lovely shaggy dog. I guess I was gonna say, and there's a dog. And they go, they go to an antique shop, and Brighton's quite nice because mm. you've got such a mixture of different styles there. You've, there's quite a large gay community there, and there's quite a lot of old posh people there, and sort of trendy people. So you've got this quite mixture of vintage shops, antique shops, Everything trendy shops, of. boutique shops. Really, It's really lovely. There's a place called The Lanes, which mm. is just full of little shops, and it's very nice. It's quite a lovely place to wander around. I will say as well, if you are... If you like designer on a budget, get thee to Brighton and raid the charity shops because mm. I have never seen so much designer gear in charity. Yeah. And the prices, obviously, they're not cheap. No. But for what is on offer, they're amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so if you like a, if you like a designer bargain, get to Brighton and My, start looking at Oxford. I had a great aunt, not not the one who married the guy in the guest house mm. but another great aunt who lived in Hove mm. and she had a poodle <laughs> which there is very go. Hove I think very Hove. Well, Hove is next door to Brighton there's a partial there. poodle right here with us well there is there's Pippa the partial poodle the jackapoo <laughs> listening in he, he was he was called Dino Dino <laughs> so we set our little story in Brighton and it's a very simple sweet little story isn't it yeah set pretty much over one afternoon would you say yeah and we go on a little sightseeing trip of all the nicest places in Brighton yeah we tell you where to get a nice scone yeah not scone a scone yes I say scone too do you yeah it's got I think it's quite rare for where I'm well I think where I'm from it's normal but Mm. most people in the south is scone I say we won't get into scone versus scone because the minefield as Alan Partridge would say yeah um so if you'd like a nice (laughs) short story Uh, yes, I have, a, I have baked goods. <laughs> if you would like a nice short story and it's free, that's the one for you. Go and sign up to our newsletter. And we do intend there may be some other ones. Yeah. 
as well coming along. So, and if you're already subscribed, we'll give you the link. So yeah, you don't have to like unsubscribe, wait a week, and subscribe again, resubscribe, no, don't do that. and go. I hope they don't notice that I'm trying to get the second story. <laughs> Everybody will get everything. Yes. So even if you subscribe after they've gone out, you will still get that content. It's not get it now or lose it forever. Yeah, it's not. It's not like when you know you you sign up to a phone service and they and it's cheap to start with, and then you're with it for years, and then you're going, I'm paying le- I'm paying more than all the new people. No, we don't do that. <laughs> well, that was a horrible um, um, accidental <laughs> part. Paying more than all the new people. I'm paying more than the new people. So we've rambled on for a bit about our seaside memories, and we still need to tell you who's putting the fizz in our gin. And we've got a little new feature where we're going to run through what we're working on at the moment. Mm -hmm. But we also wanted to announce that we've got a book available for pre-order now. Yes. It is called The Ghost Garden and we talked about it last week. Yes. And we'll be talking about it in a lot more detail in a forthcoming podcast. Yeah. Um, It's out on the 23rd of April and it's book one in the De Chastelaine Chronicles. Yes. And it's a new departure for us. It's a paranormal story. It's a ghost story um, set in... The 1920s. 1920s in yeah. Devon. Yeah. Um, and it's full of spooky goings on. Mm-hmm. And it's with reviewers at the moment. And we just want to say that this weekend, while we've been enjoying the rain, <laughs> we've had a lovely review from Frankie at Chicks, Rogues and Scandals. Yes, it's a lovely review. It is lovely and I know Frankie listens to this podcast so thank you very much. You've made our weekend. And do go and have a look at her blog if you want recommendations for romance and very, and I always love Frankie's reviews are always so enthusiastic. Yes. So so do go and have a look. Chicks, Rogues and Scandals. Go and look. So in case you're wondering what we're getting up to at the moment, aside from doing this podcast, of course, uh, we now have our new feature, which is called Out of the Inkwell. (laughs) (laughs) I expect you to announce it like that. The Inkwell. (laughs) Out of the Inkwell. No, it's fine. Well, apparently what's coming out of Eleanor's Inkwell is a terrifying demonic voice. (laughs) Inkwell. But Out of the Inkwell... Quite often people say, what are you up to at the moment? Um, usually the police as we're loitering somewhere. But what we're up to at the moment, we thought we would give you a little rundown of our current projects. We've all got loads of projects. Yes. So we have just in the last week or so, yes. put the finishing full stop to a finished manuscript, yeah. which we won't tell you too much about at the moment, but it's a rollicking, fun thriller yeah. about a jewel thief a jewel thief yes a jewel thief and a woman who runs a jewelry shop yes although that doesn't pan out how you might expect it doesn't and <laughs> it's got marie antoinette despite being set in 2019 <laughs> um, but not like some sort of terrifying zombie version no that would be awesome looking for her head <laughs> oh girl oh hang on Ooh, no one nicked that idea that's our idea <laughs> that's our idea we're keeping back it back off <laughs> back off haters <laughs> So we've just put the finishing full stop to that um, and we are currently working on a new Captain novel. Yes! Yes! So it's provisionally titled The Captain and the Cupcake slash Cream Tea but it might not end up being called that and it's set in Cornwall, in fact by the seaside. By the seaside, Out of season. Yes. 
And it's about a chef from London who's high flyer, Michelin starred chef. Who swears a lot. Swears I a lot. I don't know why he seems vaguely familiar. <laughs> he, we've been wishing kitchen nightmares tonight for inspiration. <laughs> he comes to Cornwall to try and slow down the pace of his life because he's getting rather stressed. And there encounters a handsome and too laid back for words baker. Yeah. Um, a pirate ship, a man called Captain Cod. And some family trouble that need a helping hand to give them a happy ending. Yes. Not in the rather sordid way that could be taken. No. Um, and, it, and the first scene is one of those Saturday morning sort of mm. programmes where they have celebrity chefs in and celebrities and they're sort of cooking and chatting. And you kind of think if you get an, a sort of a, a chef who has a bit of a potty mouth, but who's also kind of not dealing with his stress very well. <laughs> but actually, not too explosive, is it? And no. I have we have been very careful not to put too much cussing in it because that would yes. be naughty. And we think as well, obviously, someone up in the production booth will be sat with a button yes. to bleep just in case. Yes. So on our Saturday morning show, we have our stressy chef yes. um, in a kind of bake off against the laid back baker, and may the best man win. Yes, as they say. And this afternoon, we have been drinking huge amounts of tea. I think we ran to three giant cups. Three giant cups of tea each. And plotting book two mm. in the Chastelaine Chronicles. Yes. And we're not going to tell you the title, but it has got a title. It has a title, and it's a very good title. It's a good title. And it's got a plot. <laughs> it's good. And it we helps. will be writing it very, very, very soon. We'll be bringing Raph and Cecily back. We'll be visiting them in... Raf's home in North Yorkshire on the coast and we'll be getting to know the villagers and some rather unexpected guests who have come over from Europe yes, and are about to cause some trouble. Yes, so it's, it combines a lot of our interests, doesn't it? It's got, mm. it's, you, you've got your Yorkshire, mm. I've got my kind of church history. Mm. <laughs> and we both love a good ghost story. Yeah. And we also both love a dusty archive. Yes. So there's lots of that in there. And hopefully we'll be bringing you a few scares as well to go with the scares in the ghost garden. Yes. Quite horrible, frightening scares. Yes. But that's the point. Yeah, it is. But not so horrible and frightening that you will not be able to go to sleep. No, you won't be. You won't have to look hide behind a pillow. No, it's not Doctor I, Who. I, did, I was sitting on the sofa earlier with Catherine's husband and he was watching an Italian giallo. And I did actually have to hide behind the cushion. And now we come to that moment where we find out who's putting the fizz in each other's gin. So, Catherine, who's putting the fizz in your gin this week? Putting the fizz in my gin this week is my good chum and occasional collaborator, Mr Adrian Lucas. Congratulations to him for his nomination for an Olivier Award for Best Supporting Actor for his role in Arthur Miller's The Price at the Wyndham's. And if you haven't seen it, and obviously if you're in England and you can get a ticket, go and see it. It's closing very soon. Mm. It's an absolutely amazing cast and everyone should see it. It's wonderful. And it's his first ever nom for an Olivier. It's his first Olivier nom, although he has ironically played Olivier and was playing Olivier the first time we met. Really? Yeah. And he's wonderful in the price. Everybody is wonderful in the price. It's a play you won't soon forget, and good luck to him. Good luck also to David Suchet, who's been nominated as Best Leading Actor 
for the same play at the Olivier's, and I hope they both win because they both more than deserve it. Oh, okay. So, Eleanor, who's putting the fizz into your gin this week? I've I've struggled with trying to pick somebody because I was going to say Captain Marvel because I saw the film last weekend and it was really I was like yes. Um, if she's putting the fizz in your gin, then Captain she's Marvel. putting the fizz in my gin. I I loved it. I was like this is this feels like a film made for me. Partly because it was set in the nineties, I was like, oh, I recognise these these songs on the soundtrack. I I recognise people wearing nine inch nails t shirts and jeans. Um, but then again, I'm kind of thinking the kind of research that's required to write sort of about TV chefs um, for for the next Captain book we're writing at the moment. And me and Catherine have been watching a lot of Kitchen Nightmares, and I just want to you know give a shout out to. <laughs> Gordon Ramsay, Chef Ramsay, to Chef Ramsay. Shout out to Chef Ramsay. Um, it's but, raw. But the <laughs> my favourite Ramsay is the classic early Kitchen Nightmares UK, where we get him just pootling around England, and it's it's just classic. It's just like the you're giving me a rancid scallop and and lazy lemon, more like lazy bastard. Just just the wonderful. And obviously, then there's lots of other swearing that I can't do on a podcast. <laughs> Um, but he doesn't do the well over the top silly sort of level of swearing in Hell's Kitchen. It's it's more like he's the sort of gentle swearing. <laughs> when that when that series was first on ten years ago, I, I used to I used years to ago. use it for management technique. But obviously not swearing at people. He's just roaring at people, giving no. them rancid It was like his like ideas for like how to get people to work as a team and terribly boring things like that, which he makes quite interesting in his program. So there you go. Simple, fresh, local, honest. You can't see that we're hitting our hands into our palms in Gordon's style. Gordon Ramsay style. Gordon Ramsay style. You might be able to hear it. Um, so good luck to Adrian and thank you for the inspiration to Chef Ramsay. <laughs> and it's midnight here in Yorkshire. Yes. So, so we will bid you adieu. And Catherine's car again. is about to turn into a pumpkin. Ha ha ha. That sounded like such a false laugh. Ha ha ha. We will apologise again for the hiss. Yes. Um, imagine it's the soft lapping of the waves oh, yes. at the British seaside. Yes. And let it lull you out into the credits. Just as a seagull comes and steals your chips. Damn you! Bye! <laughs> Bye-bye! Find out more at our website, curzonharksted.co.uk. Music courtesy of www.purple-planet.com.